0: Thank you for taking the time to listen to this message from stonebridge united methodist church we hope it encourages you to live and love like jesus hello my name is andy prince and i'll be reading from luke chapter 10 verses 38 to 42. as jesus and his disciples were on their way he came to a village where a woman named martha opened her home to him she had a sister called mary who sat at the lord's feet listening to what he said Andy, thank you for reading the scripture today. We appreciate you doing that very much. That's a familiar story, right, for many of us. But you can't really blame Martha, right? I mean, she was just doing the things you do. When you have a guest in the house, you got stuff to do. So, on the one hand, maybe Jesus is being a little harsh I mean, what else are you going to do? You have a guest, and so you're just going to say, well, not welcome them, not make sure they have the food they need, make sure they're comfortable. I mean, that's that's what you do. This is the stuff that you do. Now, certainly for Martha, there would have been a lot of social pressure going on here. Because remember, it says Jesus and his disciples. It's a crowd. I mean, It's not just Jesus, there's several other people with him, and Jesus always had these other folks who would follow along. There was always this kind of an entourage, informal entourage, so to speak. So there would have been people around, and in those days, the houses, they didn't have windows like you and I think of windows, they didn't have doors like you and I think of as doors, they had doorways and openings for, for air to flow through the house so it was really easy for anybody to be standing around the house to see what's going on. And if they had a a water well uh, right outside the house, like some of them did, people from the community would come to get water at the well. And so then it's really easy to go, oh, look, they're having a party in there. I wonder who's in there. I mean, there could have been all kinds of people. Well, because it was Jesus too, right? He was known. People were following him. They heard his teachings. They knew of his miracles. They... So, there's a lot of people around, and I don't know, Martha, I can understand. She might kind of feel some pressure (laughs) to really be a great hostess in that moment. But it's not just social and cultural pressure, there's some religious pressure going on here too, biblical pressure. Because as a Jew, she would have known the teachings of the Hebrew Bible, basically our Old Testament. Teachings from for way, 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 way back were that one of, the, one of the hallmark characteristics of God's people is hospitality. Hospitality is one of the highest values of God's people. That When, when God said to Abram, I will bless you so that you will be a blessing to all the families of the earth, one of the ways that gets expressed is in hospitality even to complete strangers. There's, there's the, the story in Genesis 18 where Abraham and Sarah, remember they had, left, they had left their homeland, they're going to a land God is going to show them, and so they're living this nomadic life, going from place to place. And one day, it's the heat of the day, he's sitting at the opening of the tent, catching a breeze, I'm sure, and, and he sees three men out there. And so he goes out and he says, hey, well let me bring you some water uh, to drink, and let me get you some more water, to you can wash your feet and cool yourself, and, and we'll start making some food for you to eat. Now, as you read the scripture, the scripture indicates these, guys, these people were messengers of the Lord, but Abraham didn't know that. He just saw three people. Oh, hey, let me bring you some water. We're going to make some food. He calls out to Sarah. He says, get our finest flour and begin to knead it for bread. We're going to make bread. And he went and got a calf and began to prepare the calf. for the. So this was not something like, oh, let me get you a sandwich. Right? I mean, this, this was a lot of work, a lot of labor, a lot of time for total strangers. There's biblical teaching and precedent for hospitality, so, what, so Martha is doing that. And you can kind of understand why she might be a little bit frustrated at her sister Mary. I don't know, but I'm going to guess that Mary was younger than Martha. She's just sitting there, she's just sitting there, she's she's doing nothing, she's not helping at all, and so Martha employs the age-old but really unhealthy tactic, instead of going to Mary and saying, Mary, we, we need to talk about this, no, she goes to Jesus, Jesus, don't you care that Mary's not even helping you, kind of do a little passive-aggressive thing going on there? Yeah. There, there could be somebody in the room or somebody online that you're thinking, yeah, I've, I've been, that, I've been that sibling that was always doing everything and the other one was sitting around doing nothing. Or you might realize you were the sibling who sat around and did nothing while everybody else worked around you. Yeah, family tension. And so, and so Jesus replies and says, Martha, Martha, you're worried and upset about so many things. Now that's the New International Version translation. Other translations use a different word. That actually does get used here, back back up in verse 40. And so other translations say, Martha, Martha, you were worried and distracted by so many things. Distracted. He's not saying extending hospitality no longer applies. He's not saying that doing the things on the list are wrong. He's saying you're letting that take priority to being with Jesus. You're letting the list be in charge instead of doing it for someone else. Instead of doing it to accomplish something more important. I don't know about you, but sometimes it's easy to get caught up in a list, checking the things off the list and kind of losing sight of some things that may be right in front of you. Sometimes losing sight of a person. (laughs) That might be right in front of you too much focus on the to-do list means the the to-do list is in charge and that's what he's saying you're distracted you're letting that consume you so we need balance we need balance because we all have a a to-do list we all have a to-do list every day some things are fun some things are boring some things are hard some things are easy but we all have a to-do list there's things you got to get done of course but, but we got to know, what are the important things? What are the things that really matter, that really count, that I've got to spend time and energy on? Because those are important. Well, many, many of you are familiar with the name Stephen Covey. Uh, he, he's written a bunch of books that I think his uh, 1989 bestseller, Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. I think it's still on some bestseller lists. It's been around a while. It's a little bit dated now, as you would expect but it has had huge influence in many people you might have purchased. the, You know, the Covey Planner and the Covey Calendar. <laughs> you know, he um, really saturated the market, as they say. Well, when he was going to write that book, he said that part of what he wanted to do was to write a different kind of book on leadership and management than what was out at the time. And the books at that time were generally focused on tactics. You know, five steps to this three-step formula for that. I mean, just activities, do these things. When you went back and looking at leadership books previously, there was kind of this gap. There were several decades there really weren't any books kind of focusing on leadership at all. And then you get back earlier, I mean, like many, many decades, and those books were written by leaders for people in leadership roles, but they weren't about tactics or activities, they were about character. It wasn't just do the right things, it was be the right person. And so Stephen Covey wanted to kind of merge those, the character, be the right person with there are things you got to do. How do you put those together? And so, uh, so the, of the seven habits, one of them I'm going to talk about briefly is, it was, it's habit number three, and it's put first things first. Put first things First. I mean, some of you have seen the demonstration before where someone takes a, a clear glass a vase or container of some sort and then they have a collection of rocks and of different sizes and things and they, and they start with like pouring sand in it and then some gravel and then pebbles and then a little bit bigger rocks. And then by the time they get to the big rocks, it, they, there's no room. They can't fit in. And then they had the same setup and they, they put the large rocks in first. And then the next size smaller, and then the next size smaller, and then the pebbles, and then the gravel, and then the sand, and it all fits. Because you started with the large things. Putting first things first. So he came up with a, with a grid or a matrix that's uh, that, that really helpful. To, I mean, sometimes it's helpful to sit and think about this. There are some things that are important, some things in life that are not that important. Some things are urgent, some things not that urgent. And so how do things fit into those quadrants? Things that are urgent are things you, you react to. Right? You're, you're about to head out the door and you get to the car and there's a flat tire. Okay, well that's urgent. You've got to get that done. Your air conditioning goes out. Yeah, that's, that's urgent. right? An unexpected knock at the door. Because you have to react to it. It's not something that you planned, it's I'm reacting to it. So important things are things that you have to take the initiative and have the plan to get it done. It's not going to happen on its own. You have to do that. Give a simple example, simple example. We all know it's important to eat nutritiously, right? It's important, right? That's the word, it's important. It's not necessarily urgent right now. I I could go have lunch and consume 2,500 calories right now if I wanted to. It's not urgent, but do that too much and there comes the day that the doctor says, oh, you've got type 2 diabetes and your cholesterol is through the roof and well, now it's urgent, right? I mean, simple example of how how to pay attention to the important things pay off later on. And if all you do is pay attention to the urgent, you're always behind the curve. So what are those... First things. I love this quote from uh, from the book. He says the key is not to prioritize what's on your schedule, but to schedule your priorities. So I think of Martha and Jesus and their conversation. She had prioritized her schedule. I gotta get this done, I get this done, I get this done in this order, I gotta make all these things happen. When Jesus is saying there's another priority here, Mary could see and choose a different priority. It's a different thing. So it's important to think about this in terms of a soul reset. That's what this series is about, a soul reset. And if you've been reading along in the book, uh, you've read about how the author, Junius Dotson, had a breakdown. I mean, he's a pastor. He started a church Growing, doing great, great things. But he was working, 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 working. And so one day, as a pastor, he's doing a funeral of all things. And collapses. Just collapses. And they have to take him away in an ambulance, take him to a hospital. He's in the hospital for a week. because He had just a complete emotional and physical collapse. Exhaustion. He had been doing all those urgent things, right? Didn't lead him to a good place. That's what inspired him to write Soul Reset, that we've got to be paying attention to other kinds of things in terms of our spiritual life. We have to make priority about some other things instead of just always ticking things off. I mean, even doing some of the churchy things can become just a list that we check off if we're not paying attention to the priority of what we're about. So we have to prioritize time with God. I know, it sounds so simple, right? But when we talk about wanting to build a relationship with anyone in any way, you've got to spend time with them. You have to prioritize that and to prioritize time with God, which might mean that you read Scripture on a regular basis, read a devotional guide, read Soul Reset, that you engage somehow and you make that a priority. Think of it as nutritious healthy eating all along the way because there comes a time that that's going to pay off prioritize time in prayer we've talked in this series already about the prayer of examine from ignatius of loyola the the idea that you 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 pray through the times of consolation you feel god close to you god's presence with you and the times of desolation that feel like god is far from you last week i talked about prayers of lament Sometimes things don't go well and we are we are upset, we're frustrated, we're bewildered, we're whatever and to pray that to God. And also to remember God's goodness and to yet praise God even in the midst of the difficulty. Prioritize prayer. It's important because otherwise we tend to get distracted like Martha where we are worried and distracted worried and upset by so many things and kind of losing the big picture one of the first scripture passages i memorized i was actually a teenager because when i was a young person i tended to worry a lot i tended to worry a lot and so one of those scripture passages i memorized that was really helpful to me is from matthew chapter 6 it's in jesus sermon on the mount and he says but seek first god's kingdom and his righteousness And all these things will be given to you. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Each day has enough trouble of its own. So, you might know the saying, you might have said it many times, to tell somebody sleep tight, sleep tight. And, of course, there's the, and don't let the bed bugs bite. I'm not sure about that one, but, you know, sleep tight. And, and so I looked up, trying to figure out, where does that come from? Where did that originate? And there's no one story. There's no one origin story to it. There's, there's some ideas, some thoughts, but no one really has where it actually started. It apparently first was used in the mid-19th century. And, and one idea is that it, it could have referred to the type of beds that they had in that day and time. They didn't have box springs like you and I have. They had, it was like a wooden frame, and then they had rope back and forth in the frame. And over time, that rope would kind of get loose, and it would sag. And so they would tighten the rope so that when you laid a, mat, laid a bedding on top of it and laid on it, you could sleep Tight. So the idea was, I hope you can sleep tight tonight, sleep well, be rested. I don't know about the bedbugs. Again, I'm not going to try to get into the bedbugs, but to sleep tight. So I, I read a piece uh, years ago by uh, Leonard Sweet. He's a United Methodist pastor, scholar, writer, speaker, and he was talking about sleeping tight. He said, yeah, we do. We, we do sleep tight these days. It has a little bit different meaning. We do sleep tight that, you know, we, we tend to have trouble going to sleep some nights because I'm uptight about something that happened today or I'm uptight about what might happen tomorrow. We sleep tight because when we wake up in the middle of the night, have to go to the bathroom and come back and we can't go back to sleep because the brain is turning. We're thinking about something else. We're, yeah, we're sleeping tight. He said, what if, what if we did that really differently? What if instead of saying sleep tight, what if we started saying to one another, sleep loose. Sleep loose. I mean, really, you're in bed. You can't undo anything of the day. There's no do-overs to the day. It's, it's done. You can't live tomorrow yet. It's tomorrow. That, that's, that's So now... Maybe take a deep breath and relax and just sleep loose. I told my my kids about that when they were little. And every night, in addition to telling them I loved them, I'd say, sleep loose. Sleep loose. See, the more we learn to focus on the priorities, the priority of spending time with God, the priority of making sure I'm centered into God's will, the more I I spend time to um, focus on what's important instead of urgent, discover that I more and more can sleep loose. So I'm going to invite you to pray with me again to close the message. Let us pray. Gracious and loving God, Thank you for the gift of your presence with us in our busyness and hurried lives. Help us to slow down, give our burdens to Jesus, and live more fully in your presence. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Thank you for listening to this message from Stonebridge United Methodist Church. You are invited to worship with us every Sunday morning at 10 a.m. For more information, visit our website, mysumc.org. Have a blessed day.